This episode of Country Squire Radio is brought to you by Missouri Meerschaum and the Ten Society. We thank them for supporting this show, and we thank you for supporting them. You're listening to Country Squire Radio. Welcome to Country Squire Radio. I'm Bo. And I'm John David. JD! Hey, Bo. Good evening, man. Man, good evening to you, sir. <laughs> How are you doing tonight? I, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Yeah, big week here. It is the big week uh, maybe of my life, yeah. Jump in the broom on Friday, man, getting married. This so, is your last um, podcast as, as a single man. As, as a single man, a single podcaster, a single uh, shop owner, a, a single... <laughs> pipe smoker yeah I, I i don't yeah this is just uh i, I don't know it's kind of overwhelming but man I, I just feel it very fitting tonight i'm sitting here drinking some boodles and and tonic and oh yeah uh, man you know th- this is um yeah this is a good this is a good week we're uh we're just kind of rocking and rolling man going with the punches yeah it, it, it is really exciting we're a little nervous it really excited <laughs> uh you know, just just a little uh, a little anxious, ready to ready to to get it here and I mean, get get all the festivities. Um, get it on. Get it on. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I I remember very specifically. Uh, you know, for for my wedding, I had the challenge of waking up on the morning of my wedding and having to try try to find and sober up all of my groomsmen. Yeah. Uh, to get them oh, wow. to the church on time. To get them there. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> you uh, you didn't have trouble getting to the church on time. No, man, them. I was, I was there. Something tells me you'll be racing up to the uh, to the church as well, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's it's an exciting time. There's a lot of fun things going on, but we should actually mention, of course, with John David stepping out over the you know to to go on the uh, yeah. honeymoon and, and yeah. spend some some well deserved time with his new bride. That means there's going to be a little bit of a change to the live show. Now, there's no change whatsoever to the podcast, specifically over the next two weeks. Yeah, as far as the schedule goes. As far as the recording schedule goes, we will not have we will not have a live broadcast. However, as per usual, we will have a new episode of the podcast coming your way. And man, actually, uh, I get to share this with you. Our first episode of this kind of uh, two-week hiatus, so to speak, is, is kind of a special one, man. Me and, and some of the club members got together, and we kind of put together a little bit of a, you know, kind of a love note to you, and, and, and just kind of a, <laughs> you know, kind of a way to show our appreciation to you. And we, we kind of figured it'll go out while you're on your honeymoon, and it's not like you'll be doing anything else. Like, you know, you'll be able to listen to the podcast. No, I, sh- I should just listen to that, right? Just listen to the that, podcast. That, that little love letter, yeah. yeah exactly. No, that's great. Exactly. <laughs> no, man, it, it really that is. is. so exciting, man. I, I, was, I was thrilled to hear uh, that some of our uh, Squire, you know, pipe club community was, uh, you know, willing to get involved on this thing and, you know, and just kind of kind of helped me in the fort while I was away. It, uh, it was really, really special for me. So, Absolutely, man. Yeah, this is, uh, it's an exciting season. It so, really is. So that's kind of a special episode that's coming out next week on the podcast feed. Following that, Brian Levine, the man, the myth, the legend himself, will actually be coming to uh, to fill your shoes and probably, you know, bust right through them. Dude, I just love that. <laughs> it makes me so happy. I feel like, you know, it's kind of, uh, we've spawned this amalgam between uh, Brian's show and our show, and now, uh, man, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm just so honored to have Brian fill in for me while I'm gone. It's uh, really, really kind of him to come aboard. Yeah, man, yeah. I'm, I'm really excited to get that episode out there. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, Brian and I had a great conversation on uh, kind of the state of tobacco journalism, uh, especially with some of the recent events and, and this year in particular. Uh, you know, kind of what what the expectations are in, in keeping up with what's going on within the industry, and and you know the challenges that are there. And we kind of get a little real in that episode, so I'm, I'm looking forward to putting that, that one out there and. And getting some uh, some feedback while while the cat's away, the mice are going to play as they speak. <laughs> That's so exactly right. It should be That's a lot exactly of fun. Right. 
And also, man, um, you know, I mentioned last episode, I want to make mention of this as well. Yeah. So there's this new video game coming out. And and me and some of the the pipes the the Squire uh, club members as well as just Country Squire Radio listeners are are trying to get together and have kind of a, a fun time playing the video games together. Yeah, yeah. It's also a kind of a fun thing to do since we won't have the live broadcast and, and that kind of thing going on. So if you've got an Xbox, if you're planning on getting this game that's coming out uh, actually tomorrow as we record this live called Sea of Thieves, it's kind of a, a pirate MMO RPG. It's going to be a lot of fun. You know, who knows if there's going to be tobacco or not, but there'll be a lot of tobacco smokers, a lot of pipe smokers <laughs> playing, and we'd love to have you join us uh, my username is house of jorvik i posted that out on the uh, the squire's twitter account i'm hoping mark vv can kind of help me in terms of figuring out exactly how we're all going to get together and play in sure in game. sure but uh, but one way or the other it's going to be a lot of fun and if you've got an xbox if you're going to be playing that game we would love to have you join us i think uh the first game is actually going to be tomorrow night so that's going to be tuesday night at 9 p.m central standard time love to have you with us if you are able man also speaking of people who are with us man we, we've got new additions Dang. to the international country squire radio pipe club man th- and th- this is they're joining at the uh at the squire level right that's right man yeah both, that's awesome both these guys joining at the squire level are you ready for this <laughs> a- am i am i ready for you to really offend these people's no! uh, god-given names i am going to <laughs> say them the way that they were intended to be said of course i'm talking about andy fleecher andy fleecher yeah <laughs> man andy thanks for joining man the Country Squire Radio International Pipe Club. And then we've got oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be a tough one. Johan Nathanson. You really can't mess it up. It's, it's John it's Nathanson. John Nathanson, man. We <laughs> Andy and John, gosh, we appreciate you so much. Uh, of course, all our friends that uh, help us out on the Country Squire uh, International Pipe Club through Patreon. That's just a big way that Bo and I are able to continue to do this and bring you content and just uh, you know have connect friends in the Pipe World community. We're real, really glad we could do that. Absolutely, man. Yeah. I think, and I could be wrong on this, but I think I'm right. And that when we do uh, come back with the live show, we'll actually be announcing some of the plaqued members of the Country Squire uh, that's right. uh, Radio Club. Of course, these are the people, members who have been with us at the Squire level for over a year who get that's their right. names on the wall here in the shop that's right and so uh yeah more information on that when we return to the live show in uh two to three weeks yeah any other news other than of course well yeah yeah, you know it's interesting i actually was in in houston texas this past Mm. week which was really a lot of fun and uh you know it's a sad circumstance my uh great aunt passed away and uh, of course you know have a lot of family in east texas there around the the houston area Aunt Ruthie, she was uh, just a precious woman, and the monumental thing for me um, is that she was kind of the last in that generation, my grandmother's generation of people to to pass away, that World War II era, you know, my grandmother, her siblings, she was the last one. Was she the youngest? Uh, She was the youngest, yeah, Yeah, she was, she was uh, was 88, but man, just, just, uh, you know, not a completely unexpected uh, occurrence, but one that, you know, I felt it was very important to go visit family members and and that kind of thing, but um, what's neat, of course, uh, you know, anytime I get back to Houston, which is, you know, more kind of my hometown. I mean, I was born there and have a lot of family there. Um, I love going to Houston, but uh, man, made it by the Briar Shop in Houston, Ooh, Texas. It's yeah, down. That's right. I saw these pictures. That's right, man. It's such a it's such a cool part of town. It's in Rice Village, which is right next to Rice University. Of course, one of the top you know institutions of higher learning in the in the U.S. And man, just saw some really good friends that are there. Ross Tyken and uh, and Austin Schwartz. They both work there at the Briar Shop and are just really real professionals, man. I mean, they're, they're they're the kind of guys like you know. I always I always tell folks like when they you know say I'm going to Houston, where should I go for you know the pipe smoking scene? Man, go visit Ross at the Briar Shop. And I always tell them it's kind of like the Country Squires, like classier, older uncle, like. <laughs> Like, like, like if the country, like if the country squire were just a little older and and a good bit more sophisticated, right, right, right. Like, like it would be, you know, like less, uh, you know, l- less of the, um, 
So still country, but more sophisticated country. Yeah, just just more sophisticated. Yeah, you know, I don't know. There's just a there's they a got cla- the lights. They got all their lights working. Yeah, all their light bulbs are, are right. working. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, like the the spill in the corner, like they've cleaned that up by now. It like it has uh-huh. it hasn't sat there for forty years. Right, right, right. right. And uh, yeah, it just man, the briar shop's just a great shop. It's a fifty, uh, believe a fifty seven, fifty six, fifty seven year old shop. Man. And, uh, just just a really cool institution. Man, tonight I'm actually smoking my clay pipe that I got from there. They have these really cool little clay pipes, and they even have Look them yeah. have them layered the labeled the uh, the briar shop on there. But they sell these as tasting pipes, and it's just such a great idea, man. You can go in there buy one of these tasting pipes for under five dollars, and then while you're there at the at the shop, you know you can taste the different tobaccos that they have to offer and, and know which one you want to take home. So oh, nice. uh, anyway, if you're ever down in, in Houston, which um, is just a cool city, big city, just a lot of vibrant, interesting things going on in that town, man, please, please check out the Briar Shops. It's just a great place. And uh, man, tell tell Ross and, and Austin Hay for us. That's nice. So yeah. so you buy the pipe. And of course, along with that bundle comes various uh, small pipe portion tobaccos. Like a like a nickel, not a nickel, a dime. No, right, right. Or a two bit hit. Two bit hit. Yeah. Two bit hit. Yeah, because, you know, there's no free sample anymore. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Exactly. So it's, it's good. Yeah, I, it's always, good. I always like hearing Isn't what's cool? going on and how yeah. people have gotten a little creative with that. I know. Uh... I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> so I just love that concept. Man, they, this really cool clay pipe. These are made uh, in Europe. I'm, I, I think Ross said they're made in Germany. I mean, it's such a cool thing to, uh, to have around. So anyway, check them out if you're ever down that way. All right, man. So we've got a, a fun episode tonight, and it's, it's one that, that has been kind of requested to some degree. For, yeah, we've for had it for a while. Quite some time. Yeah, on the docket. Uh, however, it was it was most recently inspired by a, a tweet that we got in from a Punk Rock Piper on Twitter, who actually tweeted in a picture of a pipe that he got while he was in Japan. Beautiful looking pipe. And he says that, um, he said, let's see, he says, I was in Japan this month. Koiki? Ko- Koiki? Well, I, you know, I, <laughs> for the record, I, I mispronounced uh, John Nathanson earlier, so, you know, right. that's, that's where I'm at. Uh, it says, like, it's angel, angel hair 100% grown in J- Japan, Virginia. Yeah. Have either of you guys ever tried this particular tobacco? Well, I have not, but I will say that this has kind of inspired this, this idea for jumping into what it's like. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, pipe smoking in Japan, there right? Uh, we've got, you know, folks uh, like Punk Rock Piper that have, you know, asked for more information about the culture of, of uh, you know, Japanese pipe smoking and also pipe carving in Asia, you know, as, as more of a, a broader sense. The um, tradition of tobacco goes way back, you know, in East Asia and it's one of those things that a lot of us Westerners were just not as familiar with, you know, and so we thought we'd explore at least a small part of that on the Japan side. And so, anyway, yeah, great photo that he sent in. That is a Kisaru pipe, uh, Kisaru. which is which is a really interesting pipe we'll, we'll talk about uh, very shortly. But uh, just a cool pipe that was synonymous with pipe smoking and tobacco usage in Japan for, for centuries, actually. Oh, so wow, yeah. In the West, you know, we're just not as familiar with these uh, you know, Japanese carvers and pipes are our, our, our focus, you know, historically. And, you know, you could call this a bias or whatever, but just kind of that, not just in pipe smoking, but just in general, our kind of worldview is more Eurocentric, Western-centric. We just in the past, you know, 50, 60 years have been exposed as a culture more to the great beauty that, you know, East Asia offers both in culture and tradition and history and literature and all these things. And so the same goes with artisan pipe making in Japan, which is kind of interesting. Pipe smoking has existed in Japan for centuries, and actually in the 16th century, that's the earliest evidence of pipe smoking that begun in that part of the world. So the Portuguese, you know, you had, uh, of course, these great European empires that were, you know, going all over the world, trade, you know, the whole um, mercantilism, you know, conquering parts of the world, using resources in one place to make money in another place. And 
you know, for good or for bad, that's just kind of the nature of what what took place there for several hundred years. Was this part of the East India Trading Company, or is this predates that? This is going to be a, a East India Trading Company would have been a, a British. Thing. Oh right, that's right. Yeah, but the, this is a uh, this is actually Portuguese, of course. You know, and 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 back in that time period, you know, we're talking 1500s essentially. A lot of those maritime powers are powers that we don't really associate with world power today. But you know, we had uh, countries like Portugal, like Spain, like Denmark. The Netherlands. These were countries that were very, very powerful worldwide. You know, as far as uh, you know, trade and you know this uh, kind of mercantilism. You know, getting yes, the technology of the day was was ships, that's, right? That's it. Yeah. That's it. And if you could master the sea, you could master the world, kind of mm-hmm. thing. And so the Portuguese introduced tobacco to this part of the world in the in the mid 1500s, and that's when this Kisseru pipe kind of became the standard. It was a very interesting way of uh, processing this tobacco once it got to Japan, and so the tobacco was incredibly. Uh, fine cut, and still is to this day, actually. It's probably cl- the closest descendant that we re- readily see available in the United States to this tobacco today is like roll-your-own tobacco, like cigarette-rolling tobacco. Oh, so, wow, yeah, so like that, so that's very fine. Like an incredibly yeah. fine shag cut. Um, huh. Of course, the strain of tobacco, this is essentially Virginia tobacco that's just really, really finely cut, but it really is perfect for those small bowls, thin, small little pipes, and so the Kisseru became the standard uh, pipe for this type of tobacco, very small bowl, thin lines, a long, long shank with a small stem. And uh, eventually, most of those pipes became kind of the metal bowl, long shank with maybe a bamboo base or something of that nature, and then a, and then a metal mouthpiece there. So, Interesting. Um, the tobacco was called a Kazami, which is, uh, which is a shredded Tobacco actually, Kazami just means shredded, which well, is kind of kind of interesting. Can I back you up for a second? Yeah, sure. So, so you said wood, metal, and then there was a third product in there, uh, bamboo. So man, yeah. Why? You know that that seems uh, very ornate, very complicated in, in design. Yeah. Was it specifically for like? Was it for the beauty aspect, or was there a reason for so many different items being used? Well, especially when you got like a whole like pipe made of clay that's just clay. I know, hand, you know I know, I mean? right? Yeah, you know, I'm not really sure the um, you know, the the choice of medium uh, for that hmm. reason. Of course, that type of tobacco, uh, typically you think of Virginia tobacco stuff that's cut real thin, stuff that's burned fat that is drier. That kind of tobacco tends to burn hotter, so maybe oh, that interesting. Uh, maybe that tobacco and because of its strength this tobacco is very strong and it I keep speaking in past tense. You can still get this tobacco uh, readily available in Japan. It's not as common in the United States, gotcha. but very strong tobacco and so small bowl, longer shank, kind of cool the smoke off. How it evolved it seemed to make the most sense for them. So yeah, and, and again the the makeup of this tobacco, the Kazami, it's this shredded tobacco and it's um it's incredibly stringy, right? It's one of those uh, tobaccos that, you know, again, it most resembles in the American market anyway, probably a um, roll-your-own tobacco, which is uh, used for cigarettes. But we, we actually, as a matter of fact, can you hand me that three sales uh, jar right there? This is three sales, which is produced by Daughters and Ryan, which is, um, of course, uh, Mark Ryan, uh, modern savior of Perique, right, and exactly. a blender of fine uh, pipe tobaccos and, and uh, cigars and, and other products. But uh, again, you, you know, th- this is not a direct correlation but you'll just kind of get the idea. Very stringy, clumpy tobacco is very appropriate for, you know, those uh, short, compact smokes. So It stands out. It, it does. It does. You know, this tobacco is perfect. It was, uh, it was basically rolled up into a little ball. 
and then put inside the end of this pipe. And so the like punk rock piper shared his pipe, very small bowl. You just kind of roll your tobacco up into a small little ball and then and then poke down in there. It won't take you very long to smoke it, but the tobacco is incredibly strong. And so it's one of those that gets the job done uh, relatively quickly. Yeah. When you say roll into a ball, I mean, do you mean like a fine, tight ball or more of just kind of a, a no, theoretical a, ball? Uh, no, a, a looser ball, yeah. but still, I mean, it, it'll be maybe tighter than you would think huh. because, yeah, that bowl is really small. So it's one of those things that uh, you would just kind of poke in there. But yeah, I mean, it's it, not so tight that it becomes basically a, a pill, for instance, you know. But <laughs> right, um, right, right. but yeah, something that something that's relatively compact. Yeah, that's that's what you'd want. And that was the gold standard, actually, for tobacco usage in Japan until essentially World War II. Of course, we see Japan, it's a very isolated country for centuries. That was kind of a something that their government chose, uh, you know, just over the centuries to, to stay isolated. And, and then, you know, through uh, westernization and then, of course, World War II, they get exposed to this this greater world, uh, of course, Western goods, uh, European goods, um, and, and along with that goes uh, tobacco smoking and, and tobacco uh, practices and all those other things, and, and with that, the uh, the briar pipe. Now, now, it's just kind of fascinating. Okay, so <laughs> this is terrible. Most of what I know in terms of kind of the westernization of Japan comes yeah. from a movie called The Last Samurai, uh-huh. starring Tom Cruise, yeah. because of course, Tom Cruise is the last samurai. Right, 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 right. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, in that movie, one of the things that was kind of like You just a, lost all credibility with all our Japanese listeners. Right, no. Which, which, by the way, if you're a Japanese listener, we want to know who you us. are. Yeah, yeah we, we actually want to know. Bo and I were talking about this before the, the show. We don't know if we have any regular listeners from, from Japan. We, so we, we'd, we we'd, got like, a, we'd love to know that. We've got a pretty strong international reach, but I don't think we do have very many yeah. in, in Japan. Yeah. But um, but no, no. and, and to be clear, I, I'm, I'm mocking the fact that Tom Cruise is the last samurai. <laughs> uh, but but what I'm saying is that in, in that movie, one of the villains who's kind of uh, kind of pulling the emperor in in a in a specific kind of westernization of Japan direction, he's smoking a cigarette like a lot. Like it's yeah. almost like the cigarette yeah. is kind of like this representation of of an American culture that's apart from. Uh, the Japanese kind of traditionalist culture, then that's kind of the the n- narrative of the movie. I'm kind of curious. I mean, did cigarettes kind of take off and then the Briar Pipe, or was it kind of at the same time? Or uh, to be honest, I'm not sure. Okay. Yeah, I, I think it's one of those things that might have evolved, you know, at similar time periods. But I, I'm I'm just not sure. Yeah, it's of course you know pipe smoking in our part of the universe kind of came along first, and then we had the evolution of the cigarette. And so of course in Japan they did have a pipe. It was the uh, it was the Kizaru. Right. But what came first, the briar pipe or rolling a cigarette into or rolling tobacco into a cigarette? Uh, not sure. But, uh, you know, if count the Kizaru as a pipe, which, of course, it is, you know, then obviously the pipe came first and then and then, uh, you know, eventually evolved into that. My guess, which I can base on absolutely nothing, would, would be <laughs> that modern cigarette kind of came along around the same time as the as the pipe, the briar, you know, European style pipe. Just because of the influence of the West, you know, in that kind of uh, World War II era. And that would have uh, been generation. the era where, like, the cigarette was kind of in its heyday, right? Yeah, no, that's right. Yeah, and from a usage standpoint, but also a socially acceptable standpoint. Hmm. Yeah, which is kind of... And, and frankly, if we're looking at it from a, a moral point of view, probably, you know, the, the cigarette, yeah, I mean, maybe they shouldn't have been used so much even then, but, like, it was probably a much better product back then than it is now. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Well, that's interesting. But, I, I, just, I just very specifically remember yeah. like the idea of the cigarette and I, I can't remember if there was pipe smoking in the movie or not if there was it would have been like on the good guy's side you know what i mean but the cigarette just kind of seemed to be this kind of western influence 
uh, symbol, essentially. Yeah, no, that makes sense. But of course, you know, with the briar pipe uh, being, I guess, more Italian than than uh, uh, you know American from that standpoint. Yeah, coming in and, and maybe changing the game a little bit. Well, of course, you know, it, briar by that point, really by the middle of the 19th century, had become kind of the gold standard for. Uh, for you know pipes in the in the Western world, and so once the Americans and uh, and and then therefore Europeans kind of came back into the uh, Asian market, you know that was just kind of brought with them. And, and what was interesting, of course, we've talked about uh, people like Douglas MacArthur, who during World War II was an incredibly important figure, not just in America but also, I mean, th- this was the main representative in many ways of the United States in countries like. Uh, Japan and Korea and the Philippines and and so on and so forth and of course you know Douglas MacArthur incredibly well known pipe smoker and right. so there, there was these amazing you know these uh, iconic images of him smoking his pipe and and that wasn't lost upon the Japanese you know it was just kind of an interesting thing and so so you had uh you know really right there in the 1940s your first Western style pipe makers started popping up and of course we've all heard the name Suge Suge is a modern Japanese pipe carving house. House, I guess you would call it, but uh, you know, really, Suge is synonymous. You know, they might be the uh, the Savinelli or Peterson of the of the pipe making world in Italy. Although you know, they would probably consider themselves maybe uh, closer to a to a Dunhill or a Costello or something <laughs> like that. You know, uh-huh. yeah, you know, with with good um, you know good evidence for that. I mean, they're just incredible. But they start all the way back uh, there in that kind of 1940s, 1950s hmm. uh, era. Of course, it was, uh, and, and I don't know how to say all these words because, you know, I'm a redneck southerner, but uh, Kirichiro Suge uh, started making these cherry wood pipes back in the 40s and, of course, started making more of the Western-style pipes, you know, the Italian, the British-style uh, billiards and bulldogs and things of that nature. And of course, you had a lot of, uh, you know, Western servicemen that were stationed there in Japan, and so they, you know, had a big market for that type of thing. Pipe tobacco was readily available on American bases and things of that nature. So it's just kind of interesting. Now, with kind of the arrival of uh, pipes with kind of larger bowls, did that impact the tobacco? I mean, you mentioned that it was pretty yeah. strong in its in its tiny, compact That's right. So, so you started seeing more tobacco from, you know, around the world consumed there, which means you're going to have, uh, you know, different types of tobacco, different cuts, uh, you know, things like flake tobaccos, English-style tobaccos, uh, aromatics eventually moving in, you know, things that just weren't traditionally available in Japan. And so, uh, of course, these were not just consumed by, you know, the American service members that were there, but eventually got popular with the, with the locals. And so uh, in the 50s, you know, once the, you know, briar, it started with cherry wood and then the briar kind of came along and became readily available just as things kind of evened out in that market. And the Japanese pipe making market finally broke into the uh, Western world in the late 70s. And this is really interesting. You had these uh, just really well-known pipe makers in Japan and they didn't really have a toehold outside of their country yet. And so it was one of those things where, you know, they're really well known in their country. I mean, you think about uh, Japanese precision and craftsmanship, we equate it, uh, you know, Japanese craftsmanship, we equate it with like German, uh, Swiss, you know, just just high uh, precision art, incredibly exquisite items that are produced with uh, just lots of painstaking effort. And so they had this kind of quality product, but weren't really exposed to the European and American markets. And that changed in the late 70s as some of the these Japanese carvers and carving houses started to intermingle with some of the bigger names in the West. Hmm. Um, Interestingly enough, recently we talked about Lars Iverson, who passed away recently. He was, uh, of course, one of the most well-known pipe carvers uh, of all history. 
and just a royalty, literally, in our uh, in our field. And, you know, so they went to Denmark and began to collaborate with him. And, and you know, they couldn't speak oh, wow. a couldn't speak a wow. lick of Danish, you know, went, yeah. went to Italy and couldn't speak a lick of Italian. But these people, they could communicate through their craft and through this, uh, you know, broken communication, symbolic uh, love of, you know, carving these exquisite pieces. They were able to forge these new relationships. And, um, and eventually— language of the pipe. No, that's right. That's, that's exactly right. And, and, and uh, you know, to read some of the stories about these guys trying to communicate— you know, legendary pipe makers from, uh, you know, thousands of miles away that uh, don't speak the same language, have never experienced each other's cultures, but, you know, are able to, um, to share this love of, of uh, you know, turning a piece of wood into this fine, exquisite smoking instrument, which is just uh, just kind of neat. That's so, awesome, yeah. Um, Suge, uh, you know, was was kind of the main carving house, and it gave birth to a lot of other carvers. So you had Smio Satu, um, which, of course, is one of the biggest names in pipe carving in, from Japan over the past uh, 40 years. Of course, Satu, he only carves about 40 pipes a year now. I think he uh, is just very small in, in his, you know, production. But again, his you know less least expensive pipes are going to be nine hundred dollars. I mean something like this, very high end things. But you had you had other carvers as well. Legendary carver uh, Hiroyuki Tokutami Tokutomi. Tokotomi. <laughs> That's right, man. You know the, these are people that literally. I mean, you should you should Google some of the incredible work that they've done. Uh, you know, there's there's a lot of Danish influence, but there were lots of, um, you know, they, they were very intent on bringing that Asian twist to this kind of Western pipe. And so mm-hmm. you've got to, you might, you know, at first look kind of see this, uh, this pipe, and, and maybe it would make you think of a uh, you know 1970s era uh, Danish freehand. But as you studied it closer, it would start to exhibit these interesting facets. It's really neat. And so um, known amongst Japanese pipe carving, you've got things like severe lines and angles, very uh, you know very dramatic flair as far as just the um, you know the the lines and the styling of the the wood goes. Huh. Uh, carving, uh, we talk about the blowfish, and of course a very popular shape in Asian pipe carving. But um, it, carving in Japan, you know, uh, lots of carving that is very intent on following the grain, letting the grain tell the pipe carver where to go, mm-hmm. uh, kind of. And you see that just in a whole variety of ways. And really the lack of fear in trying something new. In the Western uh, realm, it kind of, uh, you know, certainly there in the, you know, 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s, you just saw a lot of beautiful pipes, incredible shapes, but, you know, a lot of different takes on the same kind of thing, right? And, you know, these, you know, uh, trailblazing carvers from Japan, they were intent on pushing the envelope, just what is going to be the next thing? And, and you, you know, find these pipes that, uh, you know, look like a, you know, seahorse or a you know, corkscrew maybe more than it might a uh, a Western billiard or a bulldog or or you know a Zulu or whatever. So uh, just really fascinating pipes, um, kind of interesting. High amounts of precision and and again painstaking labor. You think about the just exquisite craftsmanship that goes into this kind of stuff, but the lacquers and stains that they would actually produce and and do produce to you know apply to some of these pipes literally takes months 
to cure, months to produce because of the amount of uh, ingredients. They realize that it needs to mix a certain amount of time or steep. There's just all this incredible, uh, you know, tediousness that goes into making some of these uh, some of these pipes. But that's what they're known for, which is really uh, really something. The quality speaks for itself. Yeah. No, that's right. Is, is it more about the is from that standpoint? Is it more about the the look and the shine, or is it is it about the actual smokability of you know the pipe once it's all said and done? I'm sure it's both. You know, yeah. I'm sure. Of course, you pay for uh, what you would assume would be both, but the um, the pipe obviously looks looks stunning. It's just beautiful, you <laughs> right. know. Um, and so you know, a lot of these uh, th- there was also. Uh, and I forget the carving house that did this or the design house, but there was a collaboration between Dunhill, I think it was the Namiki Company, and they did this series of pipes uh, that eventually Suge, I w- don't want to say copied, but, you know, kind of elaborated on. And it, it was this it's style. Heavily influenced. It's heavily influenced by it. It was a <laughs> style of pipe that basically uh, showed the Japanese seasons, you know, with all the uh, different leaves and colors. And you think about those beautiful old Japanese pieces of art depicting, uh, you know, just all kinds kinds of things that, uh, you know, bright colors, very stylized. And of course, they would uh, put that on pipes uh, with bamboo accents and things of that nature. But other carvers, Shizu Arita and uh, Tahio Arita, of course, uh, it, you're going to have to Google these names and because and just try to get close because I uh, am, you know, a redneck from the south and can't <laughs> can't say half the words in English, much less Japanese. But, um, it'd you know, be, it'd be weird if we could. I know it, it might be. Yeah. You know, just amazing carvers that are now going into the second, you know, generation of that family. You know, these are people that grew up maybe learning from their parents uh, at a very young age. Uh, You know, and and even back in the 1930s and 40s, you know, you had folks coming from different boutique industries. Somehow they got into pipes because they realized that there was a market there. Their children became kind of the greatest Japanese pipe makers of the 20th century. And now their children (laughs) are starting to produce pipes today. And so you've got this kind of generation, really folks that are uh, maybe a little older than our age, Bo, kind of in that, you know, 30s, maybe early 40s range that, uh, you know, that are just making these exquisite pieces and, and they're carrying the torch for for modern Japanese pipe carving. And I love so, that legacy um, aspect too, man. That's beautiful. I, I, I do, I do. And I'd, I'd love to just, you know, get to see some of these people's uh, workshops, you know, and, and uh, experience what they do. The the um, stunning amount of apprenticeship that goes into their whole system is just really, um, really remarkable. And so I'd, I'd love to witness that. But, you know, eventually, you know, the Japanese pipe carving, it, it has evolved to be more into to a uh, Western mindset or market. And so you've got these high-end carvers that are still producing these amazing boutique pipes that are pushing the envelope, using all kinds of really cool materials and uh, hard-to-make stains and finishes and just really, uh, you know, things of that nature. But you've got companies like Suge now that are able to mass-produce pipes that are more familiar to the Western eye. And so, uh, Hmm. you know, with Suge's newer iterations, you've got these uh, pocket-sized billiards and uh, bent brandies and volcanoes and things that uh, are familiar enough to the Western eye that, you know, we are comfortable with putting in our regular rotation, but still feature some of that Japanese flair, you know, which I think is really great, particularly with the bamboo. Some dramatic lines, but you still, from a distance, know, hey, that's a a billiard when it comes down to it. And so, just a nice marriage there. Yeah, nice, nice marriage there. So, um, Anyway, Japanese pipe making, man. Japanese tobacco usage and uh, and pipe smoking in Japan. It's got a long 
uh, storied history and um, in a long, long future to come. We're excited Man. to see where it goes. I always love when we go international. I know, right? Yeah. It's, it's always uh, yeah, it's great. It's always a trip. I, I don't even know our own history well enough. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> it's, it's, it's so great to, to be able to kind of get the idea of, of kind of the evolution of, of pipe smoking yeah. overseas and, and yeah. bringing it on in today. Uh, man, you talk about, you know, wanting to sit in and, and kind of some of these craft shops and, you know, how, how amazing would it be for Country Squire Radio Japan? You know, do it, do a live show. For I know, them. right? That'd be, that'd be incredible. But, Maybe but, we should go to Tokyo. We'll, I have we'll a friend that lives in Tokyo. Or I, I tell you, I'll tell you, there's a there is a, a pipe shop here in America though that I, I do hope that we we get a chance to bring the show to at some point. I think it will happen in the sooner rather than later future. I hope so, man. Of yeah. course, I'm talking about the the amazing uh, pipe craftsmen and women over at Missouri Meerschaum. That's right. That's right. The folks at Missouri Meerschaum, of course, are sponsors of our show, and we're so proud to partner with them to bring you Country Squire Radio. Mm. And uh, man, Missouri Meerschaum, of course, it's the most storied pipe maker in American history. They have just such an incredible catalog of pipes. And one of their newer lines that they've come out with, just You're a, excited lo- about a lot this. of fun. I really am. I've been uh, stoked about this since I, since I learned about them. But um, it's the Outlaw series of pipes. Uh, the Outlaw series of corncob pipes from Missouri Meerschaum offers pipe enthusiasts an Old West experience with the cool-smoking Jesse James, Bell Star, and Cole Younger pipes, which is just a really neat collection of pipes. The uh, the Jesse James pipe we'll talk about tonight, this uh, uh, nose-warmer pipe, these are these are all three shorter That's pipes. Like right up on there. Uh, but uh, this is uh, straight from their literature there at Missouri Meerschaum. They say, uh, Crow Valley Pipe Company and Missouri Meerschaum uh, have collaborated to introduce the Outlaw series of corncob pipes as a new addition to our popular family of nose warmer style pipes. Jesse James was an infamous outlaw who may be best remembered as a bank robber, but he's also one of the first to hold up a moving train. The, <laughs> the, the Adair train robbery, for example, was significant in establishing Jesse James's reputation as an outlaw and folk hero. The Jesse James pipe was inspired by a steam engine smokestack and features a wide nickel band. Comfortable in the hand, the Jesse James has its own unique label and is branded on the side uh, with the Outlaw Series Bandit uh, logo, which is just really, really cool looking. This pipe, like all the pipes in the Outlaw Series, has a genuine hardwood insert at the bottom of the bowl and is only available as a straight, non-filtered pipe. So just a really cool pipe, man. It's a it's a great collaboration between Crow Valley Pipe Company and Missouri Meerschaum, you know, they've done this before where they make these uh, collaborative pipes, particularly using really high-grade elements. This has just a really nice uh, high quality stem, that nickel band, and of course, uh, just the beautiful dark stain that you would associate with uh, with some Missouri Meerschaum. So check them out, the uh, Missouri Meerschaum Outlaw Series, and particularly the Jesse James. Man, smoke one. Uh, if you've already got one, if you've already got your hands on one, man, please tweet us a photo. We'd love to tweet that back out and uh, and show the world. Man, that's awesome. Yeah. Oh, wow. But big, big shout out, of course, to the good folks at Missouri Meerschaum. It's a great way to let them know you appreciate them for sponsoring this show. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Pipe question of the week. Pipe question of the week this week comes in from Corey. Corey writes in, he says, JD, he said, what is the most popular blend that you have created that you personally don't smoke or enjoy? So, of course, all wow. your children, you love all your children equally. Some more equally than others. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> it was, it was, it, all, all animals are equal, but pigs are more equal. It was from, uh, wasn't that from Farmhouse? Barnhouse? Animal Farm? Animal Farm. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I think, yeah. that, I think that's the thing. I don't remember that quote, but Kill that the sounds pig. like... Drink his blood. No, wait, that's from the... That probably Lost is from Animal Farm. Like that. No, I can't remember. Anyway, yes. <laughs> You're, you, the pipe tobacco, you created it, but it's not necessarily your go-to. Yeah, so, th- wow, what a question. It's like, which one of your kids uh, have you made that everyone else likes but you don't like? <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, uh, uh, probably the most popular blend that uh, we have at the Squire that I don't particularly care for is going to be Summer Breeze. And and it, Ooh, really? It, I I don't particularly care for Summer Breeze. It it is a tobacco that um we sell in droves. And I went through a season where I really liked it. Obviously because I blended it and we came out with it, and I was very was and am very proud of it. But did you get um, sick of it? Or I mean, cause I I'm, think I probably just got sick of it. And it's one of those tobaccos that I just I've been able to try, you know, since since blending and uh, and consuming a lot of, and I just, I've found that I'm just, just not a fan. I mean, yeah. it, it seems... And, and I'm telling you, we sell pounds of this stuff. I've got a customer uh, in Canada, believe it or not, who orders three pounds uh, every two months. I mean, that's a lot of tobacco. You I know? know those Canadians. That's a lot of summer breeze, that's you know? That's a lot of summer um, breeze. And, it, it's uh, very, it's yeah. very much an aromatic, right? No, it is. This is a peach flavor aromatic. Very, and, very fruity. Um, it's, it's fruity. Sweet. Um, it's sweet. It's uh, you know, it's not as syrupy as some of the tobaccos that we have, and so you know, it's not necessarily a moisture content. It's just a tobacco that I don't, uh, don't find myself reaching for. It's uh, one of those tobaccos. If I, you know, had to, you know, pick three to live with the rest of my life, it probably wouldn't make the cut. But uh, apparently, would make a lot of other people's cuts, which is great. All right, <laughs> I, can I can I flip the question on you? Okay. Do you have a pipe tobacco that you've blended that you really love, but you seem to be like, but nobody else loves it as much as you? Wow, that like like the kid that you love and you yeah. keep putting them out there, but they never get picked in the dodgeball or the dodgeball team. Yeah, and like go mm. on, Billy, Billy the kid, your kid. Yeah, man. <laughs> Sorry, I may, to- I may have to revisit that. Okay, yeah, I, I may have I may have to revisit that. There's a couple that come to mind, but really the the ones that I have really you know blended and also come to love have for whatever reason by 
you know, the grace of God and acts of mercy on our kind patrons <laughs> have also become popular. You know, I, off, yeah. Probably my favorite tobaccos that we sell here at the Squire, Fleur de Lis, Pirate's Alley, and Merriweather. These are tobaccos. Merriweather, of course, was blended uh, years and years ago. Right, right, right. Uh, Pirate's Alley is is one that I reformulated. We came back out with, and and Fleur de Lis, of course, great seller. Uh, you know, we've uh, had that uh, since the New Orleans Pipe Show a few years ago. But um, yeah, I I don't know, man. I I I'd, I'd say the ones I like, uh, other people seem to like, which is uh, which is good. <laughs> maybe maybe I've, just, I've probably gotten more lucky than anything. Uh-huh, so. <laughs> uh-huh. no, I get it. Anyway, kind of cool. It's yeah. like, oh, well, John, Mr. Tastemaker over here. <laughs> got, yeah. It's like, oh, I like it, so therefore everyone must like no, it. No, <laughs> not at all. Well, it's a great question, Corey. Thank you so much for that Pipe Question of the Week. And hey, if you've got a Pipe Question of the Week for us, be sure to send those in. Show at Country Squire Radio. Dot com. Great question. Kind of push the push the envelope there a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Chat challenge me on my own stuff. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Quick, Quick fire, fire with, with the, squire. the squire. Quick fire questions. Ow! All right, man. Quick fire questions, of course, brought to us by the Ten Society. More on them in just a minute. Yes. All right. So these are actually sent in from John Fote. 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 I always, always mispronounce his name. He always corrects me. <laughs> Love you, John. Uh, he says, Love John. Long, long time friend of uh, of the Country Squire. Oh, absolutely. Uh, can y'all tell? I'm uh, sorry. <clears throat> here, here is his selection. It is food inspired, and he says, "Can okay. you tell that I'm waiting on my lunch break?" LOL. Here we go. <laughs> ready for this? Yep. Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes Wha- by a hair. Okay. Pan- by by a hair. All right. So 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 John David, we're in the South. You, you can do so much with a doggone pancake. You can do so much with a doggone waffle. What are you gonna? You gonna? What you gonna? You can put, put some blueberries fried chicken in on it. it. Well, okay, I, I, you I'll give you that. You put some glaze on that fried chicken. I'll give you that. You put some hot sauce on that fried chicken. You serve it with beer. You can have beer, chicken, and waffle at any time during the day, and it is socially acceptable. Here in our zip code. Yeah, in our zip code. <laughs> that's that's what I'm saying. <laughs> I mean, have you seen the kind of things though that IHOP injects into pancakes? Oh, IHOP. Entire entire chunks of cheesecake, gobs of of you know, it's messed up maple man. maple syrup, you know, covered brown sugar clumps. I'm I'm just saying, I don't I don't know all the fruit and things that you can put <laughs> on a on a uh, uh, you know on a delicious exquisite uh, pancake. I don't know, man. I, <laughs> Pancakes by hair. Look, I, I'm 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 a Waffle House fan uh-huh. as much as any Southerner. I, I love a dog on waffle. Um, there, there's I, I love these waffles irons that you can get now that that's make the, your the, make it. your waffle uh, look like the Death Star and stuff like that. Oh, like that's that fine. that's good stuff. But uh, I, you know, pancakes by by just a thin line. And you can waffle a lot of things. You put it in there, you flip it around, and you can you can waffle a brownie. You can you can waffle you can you can do some waffling, man. I waffle every day. Waffle with me. Waffle with me. All right, <laughs> Scotch or bourbon. Uh, scotch heavily depends on the drink. Yeah, on, on, yeah, on the brand or whatever. Yeah, but uh, but good yeah, but scotch, for, good bourbon, then good scotch, then good scotch. Yeah, yeah, bad scotch, bad bourbon, then bad bourbon. I mean, if there is Me, such a thing. yeah, maybe yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know. We, we I don't know. There's some bad bourbons. We out have there, sampled man. a few of those some bad bourbons. Bad <laughs> bourbons. Yeah. I mean, I don't. I don't know. I, the thing is, I will go at least with a bourbon if I'm not enjoying it. I'm you not just thinking mix it with Coke. <laughs> well, yeah, right. I like, mean, really, like, yeah, just pour some Sprite in there, and yeah, it's fine. <laughs> there's some terrible scotches out there, and you're like, this is scotch. This isn't even scotch. You know what I mean? Like, you it just tastes more like rubbing alcohol. You're just or mad at it. Yeah. yeah. You're mad. <laughs> you're just angry. Yeah. But if it's good, <laughs> if it's good stuff, then good scotch. And that, but that's hard to say because I, I like good bourbon too. Both. <laughs> yes. Turkey or ham? Turkey. All the way. Yep. 
Gobble it up. And then finally, ooh, 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 ooh. steak or lamb? Steak. But I really like lamb. Mm. Yeah, especially with that mint jelly that always comes yeah. comes with it, you know. Oh, yeah. man. Okay, so yeah. this, this is tough because, I mean, obviously, I feel like if I'm going to do something special, then I'm going to have a steak involved. Right, like, like if I'm gonna make yeah. a special dinner, steak's always top of my list. Now that being said, we're coming up on Easter, and so lamb uh, sometimes a traditional meal. Yeah, I know some Easter, people Easter do season. that at Easter. Yeah, we, last year we made some lamb kebabs where you take yeah. like a branch of rosemary, you know, and you actually yeah. you, you scrape off all the all the prickly bits, shuck all of it, except yeah. for the end, and then you you know you skewer some lamb and and some some oh, vegetables wow. and everything, and yeah. then you roast it. That oh my gosh. It's so good. And then you put it in like a wrap and put some mint leaves in there, and it's just it's just amazing. I wasn't hungry. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. I'm gonna go with steak. I love lamb. <laughs> I, I really do. I do love lamb, but but steak, I mean you can't you can't beat a good steak. John, great questions, man. Absolutely. And of course those questions brought in uh, sponsored by the Ten Society. Now the Ten Society is an amazing online service that you can actually get pipe tobacco sent to your door every single month. And we're not just saying like, oh, oh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm gonna get these pipe tobaccos that uh, you know I've, I've I've got already. No, no, no. You're gonna be sampling new pipe tobaccos on a monthly basis. That's right. And it's a great way to actually expand your palate so that you know, okay, I don't have to commit to a full uh, a full ten if I don't necessarily know what I'm getting into. This way, every single month, you're expanding your palate, you're discovering new tobaccos, and you're doing so thanks to the good folks at Ten Society. Yeah, it's a it's a great concept. This is uh, you know the the box subscription service for the pipe smoking community. And if you haven't tried it yet, you're really missing out. Uh, of course, there's so many great tobaccos out there. We all get overwhelmed with the number that uh, just the sheer volume. You, you could never get to all of them. But uh, you know the guys at the Ten Society, they're picking out uh, not just the greatest hits, but also uh, some of the more uh, so some of the more uh, you know hard to hard to find interesting tins that you may not be aware of or may not have heard of. And uh, and you're going to get to try these every month. You know, there's enough for a couple bowls. You get to really see what you think about this. And that way, if you want to go spend uh, 10, 15, 20, 25 dollars on that particular tin, then you can. You already know that you're going to enjoy it and, and appreciate it. And uh, so it's just a great concept, great uh, way to uh, try new tobaccos, to expand your palate, to broaden your horizon. And uh, of course, you can do that at tinsociety.com. Don't forget to use the code SQUIRE for 20% off when you do it. That's right. That's right. SQUIRE for 20% off on your first month's service. Your thoughts, your comments, listener feedback. All right, man, listener feedback. Okay, this first one is an iTunes review. You want to take this first one for us? Yeah, yeah. Eric smokes a pipe on iTunes. So he does. He says, like I'm there. Hey, hey there, JD and Bo. First off, thank you for making a radio talk show that is actually enjoyable to listen to that doesn't make me feel like I want to sleep. Uh, fall asleep behind the wheel. <laughs> Wake up, Eric! Please, yeah, I know, right? Please, <laughs> please don't do that. Uh, great content that is delivered by two guys that you can just tell are more brothers than friends. Uh, right, yes, we'd, we'd like to we'd like to think that. Uh, amazing chemistry. I have a suggestion for a show. Bring your wives on and have them answer questions <laughs> about who they feel uh, or what they feel about pipes and the hobby uh, from significant others' point of view. Now that ah uh-uh. that is interesting. No. <laughs> veto <laughs> now that that is pretty interesting i mean i wow all right so you're this is this would not be a fair so, so my mean, my almost wife who will be in in she's less inheriting time, a pipe shop she would probably be game i'm sure that christina would be too but i i can't i can't imagine that she would uh that she would have much that she could she could add to the discussion i don't know she she'd probably be like well i mean every time Bo goes to see john david he comes back 
you know. Yeah, just kick, put put him in the shower. I know, right? Yeah, I make him take all his clothes off on the porch, you know, and like. <laughs> no, yeah, that, that would that's, be interesting. That's interesting, though. Yeah, that, that's maybe, in- interesting. Uh, maybe next year for yeah. International Women's Day, or yeah, or, you never know. Yeah, something yeah, like that. Yeah. So anyway, he goes on to say. Uh, anyways, I really enjoy smoking a pipe with you guys while I listen. Uh, happy piping, and that's from Eric. Uh, Eric, man, thanks. We we appreciate you a bunch and. Uh, love those iTunes reviews. That's dang. It would have to be yep. pre-recorded. We couldn't do it live. No, I think it, it's gonna be fun. Oh man! All right. <laughs> if we do that, then we're getting the barbecue. That might have to be. Bar- <laughs> That's a pretty good bar- bargaining chip. All right. Yeah. Right. All right. We'll we'll talk. We'll think about it. All right. So this next one's up from Ryan Smith uh, from uh, Homa, Louisiana. It says uh, in the December twelfth, two thousand and seventeen episode, uh, specifically the tobacco talk on that date is the best love letter to McClelland in existence. It says, it deserves a listen by anyone that loves tobacco and the McClelland brand. It made this almost exclusive Latakia and Burley smokers mouth water for Virginia. John David spoke about the 40th anniversary and Christmas cheer like they were gifts from heaven. And frankly, they were. <laughs> oh, man. And that, of course, is Ryan from, from Ryan uh, Yeah, Homa, Louisiana. I have a lot of friends in that part of the world. And uh, Ryan, man, thanks for, thanks for writing in. That's really kind. Of course, that was a fun episode. We love tobacco talks, but man, just two of the most, gosh, venerated tobaccos, mm. I, I could say, from McClelland, even though uh, 40th anniversary is a newer tobacco that they, you know, more recently came out with. They're just uh, just both excellent, and we, uh, gosh, we'll miss them both, uh, both dearly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. And then uh, we've got one final email that was sent in. Do you see that bottom one right there? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the From uh, Foz Bennett, is that right? That sounds right. Yep. Uh, Bo wanted to recommend a graphic novel. Uh, to you called The End League by Rick Reminder, uh, which is Dark Horse Comics' take on a popular Marvel and DC characters. Uh, The cover, I have had Superman type along uh, with a Rocketeer and Nick Fury played by MacArthur uh, with a corncob pipe. So he has a corncob pipe. Uh, Give it a read, and that's from Foz Bennett. Uh, I didn't understand any of what he said until he said MacArthur and corncob pipe, but that Sounds pretty interesting. Nick Fury is kind of like the uh, the guy that gets all the Avengers together. In in the movies, he's played by Samuel L. Jackson, and he's got the eye patch. Okay, yeah. Uh, so so that, the idea is that uh, when they cast Samuel L. Jackson, they're like, all right, who's who's like the the coolest BA guy we can beat to get Nick Fury? Uh, I think in the the original Nick Fury movie, it was like like Hasselhoff or something like that. So <laughs> the idea that they would you know quote unquote cast MacArthur in the Nick Fury role is kind of brilliant. Uh, that's awesome. No, I'll definitely have to check that out. Great recommendation. And of course, we always love whenever the pipe pops up in popular culture. Uh, man, we've also, the the Twitter tonight has been going crazy. Yeah, twi- Twitter's great, man. We've got our friend uh, Eric uh, Subtilis87. He's uh, holding up a pipe uh, in his uh, photo. He's actually watching us live. Looks like he's in his living room. And he's uh, asking if this is a, a Kisseru pipe. And uh, man, that that is indeed, uh, indeed one. Beautiful little pipe. This is a tiny pipe. It's got a, a small metal bowl. Uh, metal stem and then of course the bamboo uh, insert in the middle just real real pretty pipe uh, our, our our dear dear friend chase Abels is bringing out some uh, arrested development uh and you know frankly <laughs> L- lucille on arrested development I, I just feel like she speaks to my heart you know i, I feel like th- there's just so much uh passive aggressive bitter just 
ju- ju- just jewels that are, uh-huh. that are there, and 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 she's talking about, of course, uh, one of her uh, her favorite kids that or that everyone else likes that she just doesn't really care for. So, right, right, right. Um, yeah, uh, man, uh, our kilted pipe guy, uh, it goes, good, good friend. He says uh, pancakes, waffles aren't a thing in Scotland. Uh, Scotch is a proper whiskey. Uh, none of that American rubbish. Hey, um, hey, hey! Scotch is delicious, but don't come after my bourbon. All right, like let's 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 you know, let's acknowledge that each <laughs> country each has, has its thing, its specialties. Right? No, that's right. You know, I'm, look, I'm not saying that all American whiskey is great. Trust me, I'm definitely not saying that. But uh, you come after the Kentucky bourbon, you better watch. I'm just saying. I'm just saying, brother. I'm just warning you in love. I, w- I will say I would never pick a fight with a Scotsman. And that's true. I, I would, there's, a, I would... there's a whole ocean in the internet between us at the moment. So I'm, that's why I'm able to <laughs> okay, take that's, a, that's fair. taking a strong stand. Okay, now. That, that that's fair. Yeah. yeah. Now, if if he if he lived in Alabama, we might be having a different. Well, conversation. That's a whole different conversation. Right. <laughs> that's a whole different. And I'll, I'm not even pushing. Although some of that Alabama bourbon is not too bad. That Clyde Mays. Clyde Mays is good stuff. That's, that's good yeah, stuff. That's, that's, that's the good. only good thing that's ever come out of Alabama. What's that's next? That's good stuff. That's good stuff. Uh, man, I think that's about it. We've got uh, yeah, just a lot of folks, uh, man. Uh, wishing us a, a happy wedding week, which is really kind, uh, and I've uh, got some uh, enjoying my first evening pipe smoke while watching uh, of the year. Well, let's see, enjoying my first evening pipe smoking while watching of the year. So I guess it's the first time. That's from our good friend at Portland Paul. Portland so, Paul, um, busy anyway, man. yeah, man, good, uh, good crew tonight, and we're uh, we're so thankful for y'all. Absolutely, man, and, and uh, it's appropriate, of course, this being the uh, the last podcast of of your your single life. Uh, that we've all been able to enjoy together as you as you get ready, prepared to walk down the aisle. Yeah, man. Um, it's it's gonna be a it's gonna be a fun weekend. But of course, that means for our dear uh, live listeners, this is the last time that we'll see y'all live uh, for a couple of weeks. So uh, you know, just make sure that uh, you do check out the podcast. For those of you who exclusively tune in live or exclusively watch the YouTube channel or something like that, uh, don't worry, we've got content out next week. But it'll be through the podcast feed. So be sure this is a great time if you have not done so already to check out the podcast, yeah. uh, iTunes, Satchel, Google Play, wherever you get your podcasts, you can find us. By the way, while you're there on the iTunes store subscribing to the show, uh, be sure to just give us a little uh, review. Uh, we love those four and five star reviews, and uh, we, we also love to, of course, read those on the show whenever we get an opportunity. Uh, so definitely do that. Get some great content, a couple of special episodes coming your way over the next two weeks, and then we'll return for the live show uh, three weeks from tonight. Wow. Yeah, man. That's crazy. Of course, in the meantime, though, you can keep up with us with everything that's going on. Of course, you know, we've got the big uh, Xbox Live meetup tomorrow night that hopefully some of y'all will be able to join us for. And if for more of that, maybe over the next couple of weeks with no live show, uh, be sure to follow us on Twitter. You can follow me. I'm at the Real Bo York. I'm at John David Cole. Or you can get us at the shop at, at underscore Country Squire. And, of course, the show's uh, Twitter handle is at Squire Radio. And all that information and more can be found at CountrySquireRadio.com. It's it's so weird not like going through the whole like these are the live times and everything. I else. know, right? Yeah, yeah. But it's no, also it's weird. Kind of, it's kind of it's, it's kind of nice. It's yeah. math, yeah. math that I don't have to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, man. Okay, so dude, I had fun tonight. It's uh, man, it's 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 been um really encouraging over the past several weeks to uh just to have a lot of great notes and gosh, for that matter, gifts. I cannot, still can't believe our friends from Texas. Uh, it, just all the kind things that they sent my way and and well wishes and everything. But um, y'all, uh, y'all, y'all take really good care of both me and Bo, and we are uh, we're very thankful for uh for for your friendship. Absolutely, we really are. So, well, hey, yep. Let's go have a night. See you, brother.
been listening to Country Squire Radio, a member of the Pottery Network. For more information on this and other shows, please visit pottery.com. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. When I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at indeed.com/podcast. That's indeed.com/podcast. Terms and conditions apply.